Today on CityCast Chicago, does anybody remember earlier this summer when the government basically low-key admitted they've encountered unidentified flying objects and they can't explain 99% of them? Well, an organization found right here in Chicago has been studying UFOs for almost 50 years. Chicago has had some good sightings, uh, more recent than years ago. We've certainly had our share. Yep. We're talking about UFOs, baby. It's Wednesday, August 25th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. So Chicago is home to the first national organization dedicated to the scientific study of UFOs. The Center for UFO Studies was founded in the 70s by born and bred Chicagoan J. Allen Hynek. Now, Hynek actually used to study UFOs for the U.S. government, but we'll get into that a little bit later. We sat down with Mark Rodiger, who has the center known as KUFOs. There seems to be new interest around UFOs, UAPs, as, as the government would call them, given the release of new documentaries, there are new series. You know, why do you think that there's this newfound interest? And maybe it's not newfound, given your, your history. First, the um, fact that science has made life in outer space, you know, intelligent life more likely, adds to the public's willingness to support anything related to that, which includes UFO sightings, and not just the public, but professionals and, and all the rest, okay? Number two, though, is that the New York Times published a very positive story on UFOs in December of 2017, but as part of that story, it talked about how the government had a secret UFO project uh, that had been around since 2009. Well, when the government does something, rightly or wrongly, people in the establishment, and I like to use the phrase the establishment because it covers the gamut from politicians, scientific establishment, professional establishment, and the media. When they hear the government has done something, their ears prick up and they take it more seriously. And they had some uh, briefings on this. There had been, by the way, they'd been behind the scene briefings going on for a couple of years right. with politicians and staffers. Um, and so they put the request in. The, the military, uh, I'm sure somewhat semi-grudgingly said, of course, okay, we'll do that, uh, which came out in late June, which uh, was short, but was positive in our perspective because it did say, that, um, you know, there were 144 sightings we looked at and we could only explain one. And all the rest are unexplained. 144 military sightings, we could explain one of them. Right, right. And they recommended, the authors of the report, that more work be done. You know, they didn't say, well, we're done, that's enough. You know, they said, yeah, we really need to look into this more, you know, given what we learned. Still in the context of national security, you know, what are these things that are buzzing our planes and our training areas and doing and disrupting things? And that's fine. But I will say that civilian science should be involved. You know, we don't want just the military investigating this problem. They have the best technology. They have the best sensors, the best radar, the best everything, the military. But science doesn't progress only with, you know, the military. In fact, when you think about science, and who, who does fundamental science, the military doesn't come first to mind. I would like my science to be open and unclassified as much as possible 
Because if it's classified, you and I, Jacoby, we aren't going to learn what they learned. So since the time you've been with KUFOS to now, what are the... Like, what is the work that you all do specifically? Are you investigating sightings primarily? First place was to be a, a spot where people could report sightings, and those sightings would be recorded and available for research. Um, we have an electronic database, which includes more than what's been reported to us, but it has over 200,000 entries in it, 200,000. Uh, and we have the most extensive set of original case files in the world. Now, we've never, except for a few years in the early days, <clears throat> focused on having a large stable of investigators and going out and trying to get lots of cases and investigate them. We've left that to other groups. We do case investigation, of course, but we tend to instead have special research projects, you know, specialized areas where we focus in and try to make progress. For example... Roswell, we, I, we were very involved with that investigation, uh, including in the late 80s, I took the first expedition ever to the crash site uh, with two archaeologists. Other projects we've been involved with have been abduction cases, physical trace cases, cases where cars are stopped by UFOs. And the founder of KUFOS is J. Allen Hynek. Can you give me a little bit of a bio? Because he's like a really important figure in the world of UFO studies, right? He was born in Chicago. He was a Chicagoan. Um, so he stayed here, went to the U of C for his PhD, uh, in fact, where in the late 1940s is when he first got hooked up with the Air Force on their project. He was brought in strictly to look at sightings that were possibly astronomical in origin, given his expertise. And the work he did that you're talking about was for Project Blue Book. For my listeners who might not be familiar, I know there was a History Channel series about it, but can you give me a quick and skinny about Project Blue Book? The first project was formed in January of 1948, even though the Air Force had been investigating sightings since the first ones arose in mid-47. That project was terminated abruptly when the, uh, the fellows that ran it, both the, the engineers, scientists, and the military staffers, uh, made a recommendation to the Pentagon that, if you can believe it, UFOs were interplanetary spaceships. They actually made such a recommendation in the fall of 1948, and it was completely shot down by the Pentagon. Uh, General Hoyt Vandenberg sent it back and said, no way, no way are we accepting this. In fact, he was so upset, he said, burn every copy, and they essentially, you don't really do this in the military. They fired all the guys on the project. So they brought everybody in to look at this information when they all came to the conclusion, like, we need to consider this could be from outside our world. The bosses at the Pentagon said, that ain't what we paid y'all for. And y'all got to leave. And all of these pieces of paper got to get burned. That's right. And and the thing is, is that what, what's important to keep in mind is that in, in a way, the UFO phenomena was more pure back then. Okay. No baggage, right? Nothing that's happened in all those 70 years since then or more. So the, the, the people that were looking at UFO sightings, they were focusing mostly on military sightings or those from pilots, and they were objectively looking at it. Why wouldn't they be objectively looking at it, you know, in the context of the military duties? But then, uh, in 52, sightings began to increase again. Good sightings with both the public and the military. And a military officer's got involved and said, what's going on with UFOs? So they reorganized it. They put a guy in charge named Edward Ruppelt, and he brought back Alan Hynek, 
So, Mark, how did you come to be the scientific director of KUFOs? There was a large wave of UFO sightings in 1973. And um, I heard that Alan Hynek had formed the Center for UFO Studies. I started volunteering. And uh, as time went on, of course, I got more involved, did many, many things. And eventually, when um, Alan uh, decided to retire, he looked around and said, well, you're the last one standing, Mark. So, well, no, well, uh, or no, you're the only one stupid enough to take the job. So, well, uh, well, I'll designate you as my successor. Well, in your time doing this, would you say that Chicago has had a lot of UFO incidents? Are we a hot spot for UFO sightings? Well, Jacoby, I wish I could say that. The joke that we made was that uh, uh, UFOs avoided Chicago because he was here and they knew he would investigate it. <laughs> uh, but uh, Chicago has had some good sightings, uh, more recent than years ago. Okay. Um, and they, and we ha- we've certainly had our share. But what you find is this. The biggest cities have fewer per capita sightings because they're big cities. And there's a lot of light and buildings, and people can't actually see things as easily as they can out in darker areas. UFOs are generally seen more often if there's more people. In other words, more more available witnesses, more UFOs. But that really works best in suburban areas where it's dark enough and there's still enough people around. So what you just said, that kind of makes me a little skeptical about an incident that was reported at O'Hare back in 2006, I believe, right? I want you to walk me through it because, you know, O'Hare is near a large city. There are a lot of things in the air at an international airport. And then there are a lot of lights around O'Hare. So can you talk me through what happened on that day in 2006? What did people see? It was a cloudy early November day. And at about 4.15 or so, it's a little hard to pin down the exact time, but around 4.15, a uh, fellow standing on the uh, tarmac outside a plane was a ramp mechanic, gate C-17 at United. And um, this guy looked up while he was servicing a plane and he saw a oval object basically straight overhead. It was metallic looking. It was under the clouds. The clouds, as I said, were low, so it wasn't too high. He then talked to the pilots of the plane who stuck their head out the window and and saw it, both the first officer and the pilot. And then word began to spread throughout United. You know, you you, you led into this, uh, Jacoby, by saying, you know, big city, lights, all the things I was saying. This was during the day in an area where actually you have great visibility and this thing wasn't moving, so you didn't have to follow it through the sky. Eventually, we think that at least 10 or so people connected with United saw this, including even two mechanics that were taxiing a plane from the international terminal back to the United maintenance area. Yeah. Were all of the witnesses who did see it, were they all describing the same thing from different vantage points? Or yes. Did they all... wow. yes it, w- it was dark. It was oval. Uh, a couple of people said it was maybe spinning. That's hard to determine because there were no markings on it, no sound, and they were outside, so there was no sound from it. And again, the later... And when we investigated this, I was involved with the team that investigated it. The cloud deck was at 1,900 feet. So we know it was no higher than 1,900 feet. Now, it stayed there for possibly 15 minutes, hovering over Terminal C, Gate C-17. So they, um, it just began to rise 
very quickly, very quickly, it went straight through the clouds and was gone. But when it went through the clouds, it left a hole or a tunnel in the clouds. And then in the aftermath, the FAA declined to do an investigation. And United told its employees, don't talk about this. Through all of your research, through all of your work, your, your, you leading KUFOs, are you 100% under the belief that not only is there extraterrestrial life, but it in some form has visited Earth? Uh, what I'm convinced of is <clears throat> that 100% that some type of intelligence is visiting Earth. In other words, I want to defer from extraterrestrial to other possibilities, uh, extra-dimensional, you know, whatever. But it is inescapable to me that these some of these sightings involve intelligence, and it's non-earthly intelligence. Yes, absolutely. Mark Rodiger is the president and scientific director of the Center for UFO Studies, or KUFOS. Thank you for joining us on CityCast Chicago. Thanks so much for inviting me on and, and, and having this conversation. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. CPS schools that voted this summer to remove one of their two police officers could still see both when classes start next week. That's until CPS and CPD finalize a new contract. Chicago's Inspector General released a report contradicting the mayor's assertion that the gunshot detection software ShotSpotter is a valuable investment for the city. The report argues the lack of arrests and recovered weapons are red flags that need to be addressed. For more on ShotSpotter's problems, check out our episode from August 10th. Now, you don't need me to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway, it's hot as hell outside. It's going to feel like more than 100 degrees today. So remember, drink water, limit the use of lights and appliances whenever possible, check in on your people, and make use of the city's cooling centers. And some good news to get you through. Join me tonight for the Chicago Sun-Times Local Lives event. I'll be performing alongside some amazing Chicago storytellers and artists, and the theme is Making Chicago Home. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this story. It's virtual, so you can join me wherever you are in the city. Check our show notes for details. For more Chicago events and news, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. X-File Chicago.